0: This is a trigger warning for anybody that is affected by mental health. We are going to be talking about anxiety, CPTSD, childhood trauma, therapy, and a little bit about suicide. So if you feel like you might be affected by these things, please, I recommend skipping this episode. More coffee? More coffee. Hello everybody, welcome back to the More Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Barrera. Welcome, welcome. I hope you have your favorite coffee next to you and you are ready for a conversation because we've got a conversation today. We are talking about mental health. I had to stop filming because I just didn't like the way that it was sounding. I felt like I was being too, like... This is how I was talking. Let me give you an example. Hey, everybody. So today we are going to be talking about mental health. And I suffer with anxiety, CPTSD, and mild panic attacks. I've struggled with mental health since my childhood. That is how I was talking. And I just felt like I wasn't relaxed. And I felt like I I just had this pressure to to be really listen listenable. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. But no, I... What I just said in that very annoying voice before was that I do, I suffer with anxiety, CPTSD, and I do have mild panic attacks every now and again. And I finally just started going to therapy to get the help that I needed. I was against therapy because I was like, I know myself better than anybody else. If I know all these feelings that I'm feeling, how is somebody else gonna be able to help me? I thought I had tackled every single way in the book to help me. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm just not worth the help. I'm just, you can't fix me. I'm going to have to live like this for the rest of my life. And then I had a reality check. I stopped feeling so fucking sorry for myself. And I realized, yes, I've gone through stuff. Yes, I feel this way. But I have enough power to get through this. So I got diagnosed with CPTSD a few weeks ago. And it's been, it's been a lot to take in because it kind of just confirms that for me. And it was very confronting to hear from my therapist, it did take quite a few sessions to get us here to this today. And we're just working from there and we are just discovering a lot of things about myself that I guess I didn't really realize and didn't allow myself to think about. I am so grateful that I finally just sucked it up and got the help that I needed because I had spent so much time feeling sorry for myself I just never, I never did it. First of all, I couldn't do it because I couldn't fucking afford it. I worked at Walmart. Walmart was not paying me good. I started at Walmart $11 an hour, which seems like a lot probably in some places. It was a lot, but then throughout the two years that I worked there, I got a 20 cent raise. I loved working there because I loved meeting the people and I loved meeting the customers. Not all the customers, but some of them. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I really just overworked myself at that point. I had been saving to go visit some douchebag in the UK who ended up leaving me, and I was by myself in the UK for 35 days. That is a whole nother story in itself. I actually have that story on my blog if you want to read it, and I'll put that in the show notes. I just learned a lot about myself. I've had to go through some tough stuff growing up, and I've just learned since I've been traveling... I just, I know that I'm brave. I know that I'm adventurous and I'm easily inspired and there's no wrong in any of that. And I love it. I love that about myself. I love that I can openly talk about mental health and about my highs and my lows and things that I love and things that I'm not so proud of and want to get comfortable with. So after I traveled in 2017 to the UK... Came back to the US, obviously, worked at Walmart for a while, quit Walmart, got a job at a college as an admissions rep, which is somebody who goes around to a bunch of high schools and tries to promote the college to prospective students, being like, you know, hyping it up a lot. So I had had my first panic attack at this job that I'd worked at, and it was towards the end of it. It was coming home from one of the high schools that I'd been giving my little speech to. I couldn't see anything because it was really foggy outside and there was a car tailgating me so hard. It was just like, I was going the speed limit. Can't speed in that car. Because if you go even two miles over the speed limit in those school cars, the guy, the car guy will call you and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you speeding? So yeah, he was, he was, <laughs> I was always scared to come back because I'm like, what if I, what if I accidentally popped the tire and he yells at me on the phone and I, I'd start crying. I wasn't going to speed because I'm like I'm not losing my job over speeding whatever so after this guy passed me I was like okay that's a relief he's gone nobody's behind me nobody's in front of me but also I couldn't see anything I was like fuck me I am in a foggy road in the middle of nowhere there's no this is not a highway like a main interstate highway this is a tiny back road highway nobody's gonna find me if I crash So I pulled into the next town and it was about 20 minutes ahead of where I was at and I had seen that on my map. I pulled into this place because I just wasn't feeling myself. I was feeling very sad and scared and I was feeling all sorts of emotions like anxious and I pulled in and I was like okay I'm just gonna ask them like I'm gonna say I'm not feeling very good. Should I go to the doctor? Should I go to the hospital? What? I don't know what's wrong with me. I just felt like I needed somebody. You know what I mean? I felt so alone. I just wanted to be around somebody and what better place to go than, I thought, the sheriff's office, and it was all right, because I pulled in there, and the sheriff guy asked me, he's like, hey, what can I do for you today, and I, I don't know what happened, something switched in my mind, and I started crying, and I couldn't stop crying, and he just didn't know what to do, so we sat down on this little bench that was right by the front door, And then there was a woman in front of me in this little room and it was all glass so she could obviously see through. She came out and talked to me and then somebody else from the room on the right came out and they all sat with me. I was crying. I couldn't open my jaw. I couldn't close my hands. I was trying to get the words out and they wouldn't come out and my heart rate was high as, oh my God. They put a little, that little like heart rate thingy on my finger and they're like, we need to call an ambulance because I thought, they said I'm on the verge of having a heart attack and I said, what? And that made me panic even more. That probably isn't what they should have said to me. But yeah, it was It was horrifying. It was the worst panic attack I think I've ever had before. And I wasn't aware that it was a panic attack. I thought I was dying. It had just switched because he asked me, what can I help you with today? What can I do? And I just, I wanted to just break down and say, I don't, I'm not feeling okay. I'm not feeling myself. Something is wrong. And then when the ambulance got there, it was a half hour ambulance ride. Let me tell you, that fucking bill for the ambulance has killed me and my thank god my family helped me out with it but it was just it was not not okay that was kind of when I started researching a little bit about panic attacks and about mental health because I didn't realize I was just not paying attention to myself I was not being gentle with myself I was not there for myself. I was just going, going, going. I had worked for two and a half years and just didn't give myself a break. I would take any shift that I wanted. It would be a really good distraction. I I needed money because I lived by myself for a while. And I just thought I am paving the way to my dreams because I'm making money and I'm getting a good worth ethic. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing it. And I just ignored myself. I don't, I can't remember a time at any point in my life back then where I gave myself self-care, where I gave myself any sort of attention that was positive. I just, and that is just so heartbreaking to think about that because I'm such a wonderful person and I'm so kind and I'm so understanding and I'm so forgiving. I never gave that to myself. So then I traveled in 2018 while I was at that job and then I ended up loving it loving traveling. So I left my other job and I had gone to, I decided in Denmark that I didn't want to come home. I was like, I'm not coming home. So then I moved. So then I traveled for a while and then I moved to Australia and I was nanny there for a while. And the first year of living in Australia was absolutely amazing. I cannot explain the feelings and the flutters it's given me. And I had met my partner in Australia when I first moved there in the beginning We hit it off really well we've been together ever since then (laughs) and it's been amazing so i started settling down in april 2020 and that is that's this year obviously that's that's when my mental health started going downhill and that is the complete opposite reaction to what i thought was going to happen because i said look at me i'm doing this i have my own place with my partner now I can drive in a different country, I've got this going for me, I've applied for this job, I know so many people, I've made so many friends on my own, I've gone and done so much that people at my age probably won't do in their lifetime. I was proud of myself, but I was also, I feel like, how do I word this, the reality of adulthood was, I felt like it was just everywhere in the air around me, and it was just right there, I wasn't ready for it, and I felt so powerless, I felt unprepared. This is it Sorry if you can hear the cars in the background. But the way I like to word this is I I felt like once I got a minute to breathe, once I got a minute to sit there and be that is when everything I've left undealt with, everything that all all of the the neglect I've I've brought upon myself, meaning me not listening to my own feelings me neglecting myself by ignoring every time I've been anxious and every time I've been hurting and pushing it down, that came springing back up full force, full force. And it was, it was just, it was a dark time. At, at first, it was every once in a while, and I was aware of how anxious I was feeling, and I was very open with my partner about it. I said, "Hey, I'm feeling this way. Can you just please just hold me?" <laughs> and he was really good about it. And then it just came to a point where I was crying every single night, and it was only at nighttime that I got anxious, and this really ties this really ties into my childhood because I was so scared of the nighttime. In my childhood, I was scared of what's in the dark, what's gonna get me. Because if you've watched my YouTube video on what happened to me as a kid, you'll understand what I mean. All of the things that I felt as a child were just resurfacing and they were, I was so aware. I was so aware of it. I thought this is exactly how I felt as a kid. And being an adult now, I was aware of those feelings. I wasn't just stuck on the idea that this is what people feel. Because that's what I thought as a kid. I'm like, this is normal. People feel like this. I can't complain. I was an adult and I said, I am feeling anxious, I'm feeling broken, I'm feeling drowned, and I'm I'm nervous and I just feel I felt so much, so many things at once. And that little inner child in me was just screaming for help. And I I'm really big on inner child work and I've just I've just come across it this year. I really think people should look into inner child healing. I've gotten to touch base with that inner child and just realize She's suffering. I just realized she was hurting and she was scared and she was confused and she just felt inadequate. I just I didn't realize how much she'd been left behind. And I felt so I just I felt grief. I felt like I was grieving. And I I just want to bring that inner child back to 2020. It's been a roller coaster, but I feel very empowered. I feel like I'm getting somewhere. Am I near where I want to be? No. But I think, I think me knowing that I just want more, I strive for more, is just me, again, wanting better for myself and taking care of myself. And that is a really big part of self-care. We're going to get into some questions that I've gotten from people. So this question that I got was how to talk to a doctor about ADHD, anxiety, and OCD. Okay, so thank you, first of all, for sending me this question. And I really, I admire your bravery for being comfortable enough to tell me that you have these things. So I only have anxiety out of those three things, but I know how daunting it can be to talk to your doctor about mental health problems. They're meant to just refer you to somebody who can really know, dive deep into the issues that you feel like you're having and just to get you that help that you need. So what I did, now bear with me in the story because Even though it seems like it's going to go down a shithole, it comes back up from the shithole. So what I did was I booked an appointment with my GP. I let her know what was going on with me and I told her what sort of emotions I was feeling and she was an awful listener. (laughs) I'm just going to be very honest and I will never go to this woman again because she had no sympathy. I didn't go in there looking for sympathy, but this was the first time that I'd reached out to a professional for any sort of guidance on how, how to get help. And all she was doing was typing on her computer while I was crying my eyes out and telling her emotions around childhood traumas and everything that I was feeling. She wasn't looking at me. She didn't give me a tissue. The tissue box was on her left. I was on her right. I was like, okay, girl, can I have a tissue? Because like I'm snotting everywhere. (laughs) But I just felt like it was a complete waste of time. And she recommended me Headspace. Now, I love Headspace the app because I like kind of the stories that they have on there but there's also a headspace building where you can go to and you can get therapy I don't know too much about it but I've seen a few of them in the city that I live in and she told me it was a three-month waiting list for appointments one-on-one and I said what I don't know anything about headspace but I was like surely there's like a phone I'm, I'm just I need something this was the only thing she recommended me And also she didn't say that it was the building. She just said headspace. She wrote it down. I kept all of this stuff because I called them back and I was pissed. I felt defeated. I was like, this is what I get for trying to reach out for help. This is what I get. I shouldn't do this again. But then, no, wasn't having any of that. I won't get too deep into the details, but I ended up going back to the same doctor's office, but to a different doctor that same day. Cried, and I told him what happened earlier. I I just needed somebody to listen to me, and I just said what I was feeling. And this man didn't look at his computer once. He looked at me. He was giving his attention to me, and just understanding the struggle that I was dealing with, and understanding that I needed help. And a lot of these doctors, I mean, there's obviously going to be a few doctors who don't give a fuck about what you're doing. They just want their cash that's the reality of it but there are people who are going to see you come in and they're going to be like this is what i've studied for this is what this is what i wanted to do this for i want to help this person i want to guide them to the right direction so he recommended me cognitive behavioral therapy and gave me a few phone numbers to call and to kind of work it out with them see what was going on gave me a few apps to to work with and he said you know this is for this you can do this on this app and this on that app and then he said, once you've got an idea of what place you want to go with, give me a call back and we can get you a mental health plan. That's amazing. And I just felt seen and heard. And if I had let that first lady, if I had let her have any influence on what on getting help, I wouldn't have gotten help. I, I would have thought I'm not worthy of getting help. I would have thought so many negative things and been put off to the idea Of therapy of anything because this woman did not listen to me so the thing i want to i want to say the answer to your question i hope this has helped answer a little bit but to really answer your question call your doctor and ask for an appointment for a referral to therapy or say just i need help i need direction help me i have adhd anxiety and ocd how can i get some help where do i go from here Tell them that you just, you are tired of. I don't know if you've tried to get help before, or I'm not sure what your situation is, but let them know you are not, you're not here to be swept under the rug and not taken seriously. This is something that you struggle with every single day, and you are tired and you are ready to get your power back. Let them know. Don't let them walk all over you. Remember that people deal with this every single day and there's no shame in it and there are people out there who they can refer you to who can let you know that your mental health is not something that needs to take over your life in a negative way. I hope that answered your question and again I am so proud that you felt like you could share this with me because I had no idea. I am rooting for you. I really am. And I really hope you can update me and let me know if you got the help you needed or if if there was anything that I didn't answer about your question, let me know because I would be so happy to just talk to you one-on-one if you wanted. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor, but I've been through this process of doing that hard step to to get the help. And that is probably one of the scariest things ever because you feel vulnerable, but we can do it. That's one of the hardest steps is getting the help. That is step one, get the help recognize that you need to get the help. I've got another question today and I'm taking it from my Instagram. I have 7% on my phone, so (laughs) let's see what we've got today. This woman asked me, what would you have liked others to say or do to help you through tough times? Do you have any tips on conquering depression before you decide to go to a therapist? That is a good question. So what would I have liked others to say or do to help me through tough times? I would have appreciated someone asking me if I, if I was okay. I think everyone knew what I went through in high school because I graduated with 77 people. My whole high school was only 200 people. But I had been through a very traumatizing thing. And I just can't remember a time where someone ever came up to me and asked me if I was okay. And I don't want anybody to feel bad, like any if any of the teachers or, you know, adults that worked at the school are listening to this. I don't want you to feel bad because I just don't want you to feel bad. I just wish somebody would have come up to me and said, are you okay? How are you doing? What's, how, how are you really doing? Because if I walked by a teacher, they'd be like, how are you? How are you doing today? How's your morning? What, what class are you going to? That's not the same as how are you actually doing? Because I would have probably broken down because I was really suffering on the inside and I was really this person in high school who was so bubbly and I was so friendly. I tried to be nice to every single person. I didn't squeeze myself into a box of like a, like a click of anybody. I loved talking to anybody and everybody and I hope the people who went to high school with me had had a good experience with me because I just can't remember a time where I was nasty to anybody because I knew that feeling of being tormented it was not fun. And I never, ever, ever wanted to put anybody through that. I just wish somebody would have asked me if I was okay. I wish somebody would have been aware that, you know, it was written all over my face that I was not okay. But I was not, if, I'm, if I wasn't brave enough in my 20s to get help, I was definitely not brave enough in my high school age to get help. And that's something that I want to share with people is if you see somebody now that you think might be struggling, or you know, they've gone through something or just anybody just ask them how they're actually doing. Say, how are you doing with all this? Especially now during this lockdown, make sure people are okay. Check up on people. It's really, it's so important to do that because I have lost, I have lost a friend to suicide and I, there was a a point in time where I did. I don't, I don't want to say I blame myself, but I thought, could I have asked her more? Because I knew she struggled a lot with mental health, and we talked about it so much. There was a, a point in time where we just were only Snapchatting each other for a week for the score, and I mean, I didn't think anything was I only saw a picture of her. I was living in Australia at the time. She was back in Kansas. I'd only seen a picture of her. I couldn't tell from her face that she was struggling, but... And then I got that phone call that she had ended her life, and... I can't explain that feeling of disbelief. And I didn't get to go to her funeral. I didn't get to say goodbye. The last time I saw her in person, I took her to Walmart and we hugged each other so tight. And she said, I'm going to come visit you one day and you're going to do my makeup (laughs) because we both loved makeup. And it's just heartbreaking. That kind of gets me into this next part of the question, which is, do you have any tips on conquering depression before you decide to go to a therapist? I would say being aware... That you're depressed can help you so much. Let's not let this get to a point where I feel like I'm not, I don't belong here anymore. Or I feel like I cannot handle this pain and this numbness. Being aware of that, you can, you can put a stop to it or you can help yourself and slowly getting back up to that point where you're not in that depressive, kind of whole because i've been there i don't want to say i've ever like been in really deep like vicious depression but i have been especially in high school where i didn't want to get out of bed because people were just making me feel so horrible about myself and people were just being so unkind and thoughtless i didn't want to get out of bed and i didn't realize that was depression at the time reaching out to somebody even if you don't want to tell them i I don't know what to do. If you don't know how if you don't know how to get out of the depression, tell somebody. Tell somebody I am struggling so much. I feel like I'm not going to get out of this. I feel helpless. I'm fragile. You would be surprised at people who are who are going to help you when you when you ask for it. And that's the thing is we're so programmed to believe people are not going to want to help us. We're going to be a burden. If someone else is suffering with a way worse thing than I am, let's get out of that mindset because your suffering is your suffering. It's it's not greater or less than anybody else's suffering. Maybe send a message to somebody and let them know, please help me, help me get help because I'm scared to. The other day, one of my girlfriends, I had her come over and we were, I'm, I'm meant to go get an ultrasound because I'm having a really hard time keeping a consistent period and I'm, I need to have a look at my ovaries to make sure that everything's okay down there. And I have been struggling to get down to that office and to call them. I would dial the number. I'd get terrified. I actually scheduled an appointment and then I didn't go because I was fucking scared. And I was like, I need to do this because I have not had a period since February. I have been to the doctors. I've gotten tests and nothing's coming up. I've done everything that I can think of besides go to get an ultrasound (laughs) To make my period come back. And I'm not getting on birth control because I've done it once and it sent me that birth control. Ooh, that sent me into a depressive state of mind. That actually, I I just completely forgot about that until I just said birth control. Birth control sent me into a depressive state of mind. That was not a bright time in my life. Did I have my period? Yes. Was my skin a little bit clearer than it was before? Yes. My state of mind? Awful. Okay, I might do one more question. So let's see what I've got here. This is interesting. How do you feel about psychedelics and their potential for various mental slash emotional barriers? Obviously I was not on board with marijuana. I know marijuana is not a psychedelic, but listen, just listen. (laughs) So I wasn't on board with marijuana in my uptight, like closed minded days. And then I tried it (laughs) and then I was like, why are people making this so like criminal? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong with it. This is all in the United States. So I feel very comfortable talking about this because I don't live in the United States anymore. (laughs) And I've done psychedelics before. And I can remember a time where everybody did not want marijuana to be legalized. This was a long time ago. And now it's, I think, becoming more normalized in the U.S. So I think people are kind of at the stage now where I think maybe in 10 years that they'll be okay with the idea of psychedelics for mental and emotional barriers I've done psychedelics before. I've only done them twice and I'm I did them in the USA again. Never done them since then. But the first time that I did it, I was blissful. I was I was a little bit nervous to go into it, but you know that feeling of happiness that is so gorgeous that you feel like you need to hold on to it really tight before that anxiety comes and and takes over. I actually don't know if people feel that, but that is how I feel. I when I'm feeling really blissful and happy, I feel like I have to hold on to it with everything that I have because I'm like, this anxiety is going to come and take this all away from me. I didn't feel that the first time I did psychedelics. I felt, I can't explain how I felt. I felt different. I felt like I was opening a door to my mind that I didn't even know was there. I was with one of my girlfriends and we just laughed and we had an amazing time. And I remember her mom walked into the room once and she didn't know what we were doing. And she, I think she asked us if we like wanted rice or something. And we're like, no, thanks. And we just laughed. I think we laughed for like 15 minutes after that. And I can remember there was one, one point she had fell off the bed and we had both just laughed so much at that. It was just beautiful and the conversations we had and she was such good company and I don't regret it. I had fun, we were safe, we stayed in her bedroom. That was amazing, beautiful. So then I did it a second time years later and it was not such a good experience. I was good at first and then I'd gotten a phone call from a girl who wanted me to pick her up. But she was really drunk. And I was like, I can't pick you up right now. Because I am not sober. And she's like, Well, I'm not sober either. I need you to pick me up. And it totally fucked me up. Because I felt so bad. It was a flip. The flip of a switch. It went from like beautiful. Like I was getting in the vibe. And then to I just went crashing. And I just couldn't get myself back up from that. So I didn't want to ruin any of my friends vibes. So I told them. I said, guys. I said I don't feel great and I know I'm not going to be feeling great this whole time because I don't know how to figure this out so I'm going to go sit in the bathroom for the rest of the night and I sat in the bathroom for the rest of the night and there was a song it was breathe 2 a.m and I feel like that song went on for hours and I just it was a perfect moment because it was playing on the radio so I was like okay breathe just breathe and I just I felt like the song was going on for hours and it was so funny. To get back to that, there was an article that I read and it was about research on how psychedelics can actually help and be therapeutic for people. And there's these two girls that go around the city of New York and they do therapy, they do psychedelic therapy for people. So it says their primary goal is to create a space in which everyone feels secure enough to drop their emotional guards and open up the drug's potential to change their attitudes, moods, and behaviors. Sorry, <clears throat> voice crack. But yeah, that was from the article that I read. That That's the big thing that stops me is being letting that emotional guard down because I always always feel like if I'm going to do this, I need to be ready. I need to be completely open to this because then if there's any doubt in my mind, I'm not going to be okay with this. How cool would that be to go to like a therapy session with a few like really relaxed people who knew what they were doing, who knew how to take control of the situation in case somebody did start going down that negative path? I think the girls who do this do not go on a trip. (laughs) While they're helping people with this psychedelic therapy, they probably have to be the sober ones to kind of keep a level head. That would have been so amazing when I was having that like bad time. Just to be in that space where you can, you know, you're safe. You know, somebody's gonna be there in case something not goes wrong, but in case you're not feeling the best and you're a little bit anxious about what's gonna happen, or the outcome. Those people, that's what they're trained for. And it says these girls have been doing this for 20 years. I think it's a beautiful idea. And the same way that people were feeling about marijuana years ago before more people were on board with it, is the way I think they're feeling now about psychedelics. When you think about psychedelics, psychedelics take you to a different place and they open your mind and it creates a different world for you almost. And maybe there's a fear from people who are in power for people to open their minds up just that that little bit more and get more access to their brains, to their brain power. So I'm on board with it because it has brought me to a blissful state where I didn't feel like I had to hold on to that happiness because the anxiety was creeping in. I was just happy. So that's something I want to do a little bit more research into because I was put off by it because of that bad experience and I've not really thought about it much since then but I love that question and there's actually a book recommendation here and it's by Michael Pollan and it's from 2018 and it's a book titled How to Change Your Mind and what it says it's about is what the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. So it might be worth a read. I think it's really interesting looking into this and thinking about how these chemicals might actually rebalance your brain chemistry and possibly help save somebody's life. So yeah, this conversation has been has been a lot. I feel like maybe, it has it been all over the place? Let me know. <laughs> but mental health is so important and let's just stop tiptoeing around it. Let's stop tiptoeing around people who we've labeled as mentally unstable, quote, quote. That is my least favorite thing. It's just, it's not that they're mentally unstable. It's that they they just need help. They're not well. I'm not well. I'm not ashamed of it anymore though. I'm so glad that I've gotten the help that I've needed. And I just want to be honest about my feelings and not feel ridiculed. And I'm so grateful for the woman that I'm becoming and for exceeding my own expectations and realizing that I can actually get farther in life by helping myself by caring for myself, by paying attention to little things and taking little moments to just be with me. I hope that you got some answers today. I hope you enjoyed this talk and I cannot wait to chat next time. We are going to be reading from my journal next week and discussing a little bit of some travel stories, how I got here, what I did, what I've been doing, everything. I just love talking travel. I love ta- I love diving into my old journals. It's kind of like, oh my God, it's a little bit cringy, but it's good. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening and bye.